Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you'll learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. Uh, today it is my pleasure and privilege to welcome Matt Calhoun. Hi, Matt. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Matt Hales um, is the director of, uh, I guess, real estate investments, right? Alternative investments yeah. at the Midland Trust. And um, tell us a little bit about you, Matt, uh, yeah. where you live, kind of family. And then we'll talk a little bit about Midland Trust. Trust, how is it different from other self-directed IRA custodian? And we'll we'll jump into some advanced topics. So tell us a little bit about Matt. Yeah. So uh, I'm here in Fort Myers, Florida. So it's actually where our company is based. Um, got into the industry from actually real estate investing myself. So um, worked in the financial services space, started picking up some duplexes here and there. And uh, it's really hard to get excited about mutual funds when you are, you know this real estate investment exists. Um, so I found out about self-directed IRAs. It's just a kind of a combination of financial services and, and real estate investing, still doing the real estate investing on the side, but my day-to-day with Midland is to walk investors who want to diversify their retirement funds. So old 401ks or these IRAs that invest in the stock market, and they now want to deploy those into different asset classes. And, and most of my conversations revolve around real estate. Um, directly funds, different syndications, and just really diversifying those those assets, those retirement portfolios into those um, you know asset classes. Um, so beyond real estate investing, Midland, I do have two kids at home, so they keep me busy. Um, between basically, you know, as many people know, real estate isn't always passive, um, so that's a full time job, and uh, you know, Midland keeps me busy as well. So um, a lot of a lot of hours into those things. Thanks for the introduction, and that's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> family is number one. I was hoping yeah. to start with the family, but you jumped straight into the middle and trust. But yeah, it's uh, uh, great that you have two kids, and that's that's God bless. Thanks. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, the the left coast of Florida is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you get a little bit of warmer water, and uh, oh yeah, you don't get as many as many hurricanes. At least that's from that perspective. Yeah, I try to avoid those as much as possible. Um, and then you mentioned Midland. So, so we are a self-directed administrator. Um, we found our niche really in the, the private equity, uh, the real estate syndication, the real estate fund space. We've tried to specialize in, in those conversations and those asset classes uh, just to make the client process smoother in those. It's complicated. It's, you know, it's, we try to make it as turnkey as possible. Somebody has interest, we want to make it easy for them to get those funds uh, into those groups. So makes a lot of sense so what's this let's go to the basics not spending too much time on this but let's just say someone who is uh been investing for years into self-directed 401k and uh, or uh, self-directed ira with the wall street type of investments mutual funds stocks um some wall street traded bonds and and let's just say they want to take portion of their portfolio and invest in alternatives into something Mm -hmm. that um Real estate specific, real estate funds. Uh, from we all obviously offer funds and syndications, or are you working with other folks? What's the easiest process to for them to move the funds and to be available to uh, invest uh, uh, through you? Some folks talked about rollover. Some folks talk about transfer. 
I, mm -hmm. I, I certainly believe a transfer is an easier process. Just curious, any quick comments on, on, on this? Yeah. I, first step is definitely look for a custodian who administers those investments. So, you know, if you have your funds at a, a big Charles Schwab of Fidelity and a class like that, you may not be able to deploy those in those alternatives. Um, so you'd look for a company like Midland or a self-directed custodian. Um, you're going to open up an account with them and you're right. Transfers are much easier. So if you have an IRA account. Um, that process is just moving funds from one IRA to another. You'll normally be done in as little as a few days, maybe a week, funds will be there and ready to invest in your alternative. If you have an old 401k, you know, expect that process to take a little bit longer, like one to two weeks it can take. Um, 401ks are a little bit trickier to get funds out of or 403bs. Um, this may be a little specific to Midland, but what we do is we try to work with those investments ahead of time to provide the most streamlined process for the investor. So we'll go through, get the subscription documents ahead of time, pre-fill them for the IRA account. Everything that we know, we'll fill out, um, have the investor walk them through, basically, hey, this is where you have to fill out things. It's all done by DocuSign. Um, so we really provide just that easy process from, this is what I want to invest in. How do I get there? Um, we have a dedicated service team. So you'll have actually one person on our team who's done that investment countless times. They know what they're looking for. And they're there to answer your call and walk you through that process. The funds are then wired to that investment and your account with Midland then is invested in this alternative investment and you're really going from there. Um, like I said, some of those things are specific to Midland, but some of those are general across self-directed IRAs. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that, that's that's a great way to describe it. And, and I went through this process many years ago and I remember the rollover is always harder and 401k is always yeah. harder. So mm -hmm. folks that are thinking about doing this, if they, they left the previous employer, Perhaps it's easier to move the money to self-directed IRA uh, custodian sooner rather than later. It all also depends, obviously, on individual selection. Some folks still want to stay somewhat invested in stock markets, and some folks are sick and tired of a stock market and True. They would like to take further control and uh, invest into things they understand. So now let's jump into a little bit more advanced topics. Yeah. So uh, most most investors who, who do this. Um, uh, want to grow their Roth IRA and kind of interesting that, that for years the Roth component of 401k case have been scarce mm -hmm. there are limitations on Roth IRA uh, in contributions as well so uh, how do folks go through traditional to Roth IRA conversion do you see it happening often uh, do you see folks converting more in cash or do you see them converting they will make an investment Mm -hmm. And I'll convert with an investment. Typically, you know, sometimes you can get a discount on, on your converted value. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, most people I talk to on a daily basis, they hear Roth. They're like, man, I wish I could have that. But for one reason or another, they they contributed to a pre-tax plan. Um, they're, they're unable to contribute to a Roth because their income limits are too high. Um, the conversion does give them that option of getting some of those pre-tax dollars to a Roth account. Um, you pay a tax now. So, it's really a strategic play. You think, okay, you know, maybe my income's down a little bit this year, or maybe I just want to pay the taxes because I see a lot of advantage in this investment. I think if I'm going to grow this investment, I want to grow it tax-free uh, so I can get a larger sum when I retire. Um, as far as, you know, what I see more, probably more cash. You know, people think ahead of time, okay, I'm going to convert this to cash. It's easier um, to move funds from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA in cash, but not saying you can't do what we call an in-kind contribution. So as your investment already is invested, you already hold investment in a tempo fund or a different group, you can actually convert that to a Roth account 
we get a value of what that conversion is. You have you know a tax implication that we file for you. Um, but then that Roth account holds that investment. It's growing tax deferred, just like it was before. But once you start taking those withdrawals tax-free, which is a, a large benefit to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I appreciate that explanation. It makes a lot of sense. And uh, I can tell you this from years, years ago, I converted from traditional to Roth in cash. Mm -hmm. And they tell you the story, hey, converted on January 2nd. So you have a free year or, you know, not paying taxes. Yeah, that gives you very little flexibility because you don't know what the year is going to look like. If you have a great year, it doesn't really help because you're in the highest tax bracket. And also, you have no ability to get any discount um, to the cash uh, if you invest it into something that can be valued less than you mm -hmm. invest in cash, which some folks have done. We've seen quite a bit of folks do that. It's a very sure. powerful way to get a uh, somewhat of a discount on the tax liability versus the cash. But it's easier to do in cash, so for sure, it's that's the the good old uh, classic way. It is. Uh, I would say we do majority of majority of our conversions actually in December, um, for the reason you mentioned. Like by December, I know what I made, um, and I can kind of play that game. Okay, can I max out a tax bracket? Because I should say when you do that in kind conversion as well, you don't have to do all of it. Uh, so it's not you know I have a fifty thousand dollar investment, I have to take a fifty thousand dollar conversion tax it. If you want to do 10 a year, we're okay with that as a custodian. We can do 10 every year. So you limit your taxes. And then over a five-year period, you move that $50,000 investment to Roth. Um, so there's definitely a lot of strategies involved um, with a Roth conversion that, like you said, sometimes doing it in January may not be the best option. Um, I think December is the most popular. And then probably April because people are contribution-minded um, at that time of year. But yeah, I like to see a December. Um, the other option for an in-kind is we can do a, a, a December and a January. Uh, you know, you did some in December for for this example, it'd be 2023. Maybe January 1st, we we do another portion for 2024. So you can kind of knock it all out once, but you can you did your conversion for two years too. So a lot of different strategies um, between the custodian, a CPA, or a financial advisor. Um, you know, there's a good plan to be able to convert those assets to Roth. Yeah, I appreciate that. Of course, that flexibility helps folks with tax planning. Yes. But I assume every time there's a conversion, of course, they need to send your evaluation letter. If it's in in kind or in, in invested into a fund or or mm -hmm. education. So it, I assume that's the process, right? You need the evaluation letter, you don't go through the process of how much it's worth, you just document. As a custodian, that's the simplest and easiest way is your job is to document what the conversion uh, look like? Yeah, as a custodian, we do need evaluation. Um, conveniently with that December, um, a lot of people are getting their end of year values started around that time. So that helps as well. Um, but yes, correct. As a custodian, we know how much you're going to contribute or convert. Um, and then we'll need evaluation on the, on the asset as of that date as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. And for most folks, they should obviously consult with your uh, with their own CPA professional uh, to understand what are their individual circumstances. And in general, conversion makes sense. It's one of the few investments uh, that are tax free forever, in essence. Like a Roth IRA, in theory, you can grow to pretty pretty good size and never yeah. pay taxes. There are very, very few other things that IRS code allows. Correct. So it's a, it's a tremendous um, asset if you can grow it at a at a pretty good pace. So um, I like to put it this way, a dollar in cash 
versus a dollar in traditional IRA versus a dollar in a Roth IRA. In my yeah. view, depending on how many years you have left, right, a dollar uh, in a Roth could be worth on a long-term basis. You could probably say three, four dollars versus cash, right? Because of, of all the compounding, you have enough long enough time. And mm -hmm. it's uh, versus a dollar in traditional. Um, it's it's still worth more than than traditional because you don't have to pay taxes on the income. Sure. So maybe kind of a three four dollars or, or value of Roth versus two dollars worth of traditional versus one dollar worth of cash. So for folks who are doing this, um, it's a, it's a planning it's that tax planning exercise with their uh, CPA. Mm -hmm. Any other quick thoughts on this, and then we'll we'll jump to another advanced topic. No, it's really good points. Um, you know, I always like to think of it as, you know, we're diversifying our investments, but what this gives you the ability to do is diversify your tax exposure. So there's places for traditional and, and they're, they're a great tool as well. Um, but having the buckets to pull from like in retirement, if I know I have a bucket of tax-free money, I have some pre-tax, there's a lot of good planning you can do in retirement if you have those options to you. So no, we can definitely move on, but it's great thoughts. Yeah, it makes sense. The, the other to topic that does come up, and we are in an alternative space, and I'm just curious sort of if you hear about this. A lot of folks are concerned about UBIT, unrelated sure. business income tax, or some sometimes it's called UBTI, unrelated business taxable income, and depending mm -hmm. on how you look at it, but it's the same, more or less. Yeah. And it does arrive from certain circumstances. Uh, just um, explain to folks, and also explain um, what actual risks on them. So as I see this, this picture all the time, not all the time, but sufficiently often. Mm -hmm. And so folks have not known about this. They've made investments into leveraged deals. They bought a turnkey property with their self-directed ARA. Sure. <laughs> and then they they start worrying about what happens now. I didn't pay taxes for the last five years, yeah. uh, even though I was supposed to file because it's theoretically leveraged in the deal. So what mm -hmm. happens, let's just describe the basic condition uh, when UBTI is a little bit of a concern to mm -hmm. um, what do folks do about it? Yeah, uh, I'll just kind of go a little bit more. So yeah, the leverage is a big thing. Uh, it can be certain types of income, active income versus passive. Um, and it does complicate it when you're thinking I'm doing a retirement investment, no taxes, it's all deferred. Um, these taxes can be part of a certain types of investments. Um, it's a factor. You should definitely consider it uh, and know if it's going to be you know, at play in the investment you choose. Um, what that looks like in practice, if that is something that your investment is subject to, um, your retirement account essentially files its own tax return. So separate from you personally, um, it files a tax return that says, okay, this amount of income that the IRA account generated is subject to this UBIT tax. Um, you get a first thousand dollars for free. So for whatever reason, uh, when they designed the, uh, the tax code for that, your first thousand dollars of income is not subject to that tax. And then after that, there's a certain tax bracket that the IRAs are subject to. Close to like trust tax rates is pretty what, how, how I compare them. Um, you know, they can be pretty steep at the high end. Now, normally you don't worry about any deductions that come into play with retirement accounts because it doesn't go to the retirement account. Now it does. <laughs> All of a sudden, it complicates the matters and the fact that I didn't worry about any deductions because I was getting tax deferred income or tax free income revenue from this uh, investment, now I get to factor in all that and offset some of that UBIT tax. So it is a complicated formula. Uh, it's something to consider. Um, you can specify your investments around ones that maybe are less subject to UBIT and so on. Um, 
So, you know, we can definitely have these conversations. The investment sponsor is also going to be probably aware if they've done investments, if it's been going for a while. They'll know if it's subject to UBIT or not, most likely. Um, but if they've issued a K-1, it's part of the, the line items. So just know it is a factor in certain types of investments. It shouldn't deter you from investments because sometimes the returns, the offsetting, you know, if you have to file a tax return, sure, that's an expense maybe you should just factor in. Um, but investments can definitely still make sense. And if you're still in a Roth account, the net is probably still going to outweigh the the expense there. Yeah, I appreciate the clarification. Of course, the at the end of the day, the most important decision is uh, risk reward uh, mm-hmm. on the investment. Whether there's some UBIT tax due or not is a secondary consideration, but it's worth talking to a CPA. The other yeah. idea that I've seen folks do is set up a blocker C corp. Yep. which is one of the easiest way to avoid uh, UBIT risk at all. Although it has the corporate tax that the C Corp um, has to pay, but uh, the structurally it's uh, IRA account would own C Corp and a C Corp would make the investment. So it, it, it certainly completely protects against the uh, the risk and it only makes sense in certain size. So for a small investment, it doesn't make any sense. Sure. But for a significant investment, it's worth consideration. Um, as it's not a very complicated structure to set up and it creates uh, that complete uh, shield. And the corporate tax mm-hmm. rates, especially on a lower level, are substantially mm-hmm. better than the tax rates. So from that perspective, just mentioning this for, for folks, if they're really concerned about uh, UBIT risk, mm-hmm. they should um, consider setting up a blocker C Corp again with SCPA advice, of course. That's a good strategy. And I've also seen people avoid the the UDFI, so the, the debt leverage. On uh, If you're eligible for a solo 401k, um, solo 401ks are actually exempt from UDFI. So if you're looking at, I can set up a solo 401k, or I can do an IRA in the same investment. Uh, the 401k may be the way to go if that UDFI applies. And it's a good strategy to avoid that as well. So one of the accounts that you actually allow investors to have is self-directed solo 401k. Yep. So that would be someone who owns a business um, with no full-time employees. There's some exempt, you know, exemptions to certain employee types, um, but you can set up a an individual 401k, a solo 401k. They're the the same, and uh, they have lots of other benefits to them. But one is that they're exempt from the UDFI tax. But just to clarify, solo 401k, which is what mm-hmm. you do, you don't do a. Um administration for a group 401k for a small company. You just do a solo 401k as part of your offerings, right? Correct. Yeah. We only administer solo 401ks or, or individuals for sole proprietors most of the time. You know, real estate agents, 1099 employees. If you have a group 401k, um, you'll look for a different group that's going to do that because they have to have third-party administrators and, and different types of reporting. So we don't personally do that, um, but the individual 401ks we do. Yeah, makes sense. And um, so, how do you differentiate yourself from yeah. uh, other IRA custodians? Most yeah. folks are looking for a white glove service. At the end of the day, in this business, uh, even though these subscription documents are not terribly difficult, terribly complicated, mm-hmm. but they're different from what folks are used to. So, white glove service helps. And as they have questions, um, just curious, w- w- what are your thoughts on that front? Yeah, I mean, we've had the benefit of of seeing how the process works from other people um, and being able to adjust our strategy from there. Um, so with Midland specifically, um, our service works in two ways. We have actually the people side of it. So I mentioned a dedicated service representative. 
it helps that your dedicated contact, that person you can call directly, you're not calling a 1-800 number, um, has seen the investment. They've done it with other people before. So they're able to get you from A to B much quicker. They know the investor you're talking about. They know your account. Um, they've spoken to you before. So that personal service really does help. Um, and then integrating our technology into it. Um, that's not just a, an online portal so you can see statements and see your investment, um, but we've integrated transfers. So if you've already done a transfer from that way before, we can speed that process up. We already have all that info, the investment, adding additional funds, distributions. So giving our service team basically integrations into the technology, um, utilizing electronic signatures or, or anything else that basically makes that process easier. Um, the last thing we want you to do is have to fax a form in, you know, talk to somebody who no, doesn't know who you are, doesn't know your account, you know, being able to basically give you, like you said, that white glove service. Um, these are complicated things. And some people, this is their, their savings, their life savings. Some of their bigger, bigger assets are their retirement accounts. Uh, so we make sure that feels important, that we know it's important to them as well and getting them there. You know, the educational side's great as well. Um, you know, being able to provide right now, I think we're doing weekly or biweekly webinars on different asset classes. So you may not have interest in all of them, but it just gives you the idea of not only knowing different investment classes, but also what can I do with this retirement account uh, as new laws pass, you know, Roth conversions, just different things that we can provide our investors to, you know, help them be, I guess, better retirement account investors as well. Um, so at Midland, that's kind of what we've put ourselves for to, to make that you know, service is kind of our cornerstone of our company. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and, and that's important. At the end of the day, that's the biggest differentiator. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just curious. I have kind of a super advanced question, and I don't know if you've seen this. Sure. But we, as kind of fund managers and uh, uh, syndication managers, we, we have a lot of, of folks that have invested with us. Mm -hmm. and one of the uh, one of the challenges, we not challenges, but one of the things that we we don't particularly like to do and it happens so folks go through transfers it's exactly mm -hmm. what we just talked about they want to convert traditional to Roth yeah so they need titling to be changed on the investment mm -hmm. and we've also seen the same thing have, that have nothing to do with IRAs it has to do with individual owning an investment and going to an LLC sure. or going into a family trust mm -hmm. so you see quite a bit of transfers to the family trust especially for the folks are you know in their retirement years and they are they, they get advice from cpa that they need the title to be moved to a trust so we've seen mm -hmm. some enough of that sure and the following thought has crossed the mind i haven't seen too much of it but it's it would work the same way so uh, i've seen individual uh investment being moved to an llc or a trust to avoid probate god forbid something happens right mm -hmm. the self-directed ira uh we have same issue you have traditional to Roth, and it's more paperwork that has to be done mm -hmm. But uh, the same technique can be used. And again, my question to you, if you've seen it, just curious. So you yeah. can have a self-directed IRA. Uh, uh, instead of owning an investment directly, you could own an investment through a trust. In other words, uh, just whatever the trust can be formed and the trust beneficiary is an IRA, and then the trustee facilitates the investment into whatever. Uh, and it helps quite a bit when there are... Um, um, sort of folks that that actually have a, an attorney and a trustee, but the investment goes into a fund of syndication. So whenever they have to convert, they can just convert uh, by virtue of moving beneficiary within a trust from traditional to Roth, 
instead of kind of reaching out and having us do the transfer paperwork. Have you seen that? I'm just curious because when I saw this with, with yeah. the individual accounts, but that's a great idea. They can change it and they can gift it to kids and they can do things over time. So you can do the same thing within the trust. You can do 10% conversion every year from traditional to Roth, whatever makes mm -hmm. sense to them in their CPA. Yeah, and I'll even open that up to to LLCs, like you mentioned as well, because an IRA can actually own an LLC as well, and the LLC can invest. Um, normally, trusts are transitional with retirement accounts, so you know, most common way we see that applied is you know the client leaves their trust as a beneficiary, they pass away, and it goes to the trust, um, and sometimes the trust then dictates that that gets spread out to different other people's retirement accounts and so on. So sometimes trusts are transitional, but you're correct. Um, especially from, you know, tempo side or different sponsors, it does make the administration a little bit easier because that direct entity is not changing. Um, now the, the trust documents, the LLC documents, those are probably going to get updated. They are going to get updated. Um, if the LLC is the easier example, if an LLC has, the IRA, a traditional IRA is 100% owner, um, and then we convert half of it that year. Now the LLC has a 50% ownership by a traditional IRA and 50%. It doesn't change on, on your side or the deal, uh, but the LLC documents are going to get updated. If we go back to the trust, the trust documents are going to get updated and say, this was a traditional IRA, it is a Roth. So there's still an update that has to be done. That being said, they're not updating all their subscription documents, all the investors. So it, it probably is easier than going through. So I hope that answers that, that question. But yeah, it definitely can be done. Um, the direct investor into the fund, you know, can be an, an entity or a trust. Yeah, and I appreciate you uh, explaining this and, and adding the LLC component, which it makes yeah. sense. Uh, sure. Certainly seen a lot of people owning IRA LLCs and for the mm -hmm. more sophisticated investors, that's actually a preferred way of doing it. For one, it creates anonymity, right? They don't even know, you don't even have exposure yeah. Uh, to the exact account name, um, you just create the LLC, and that that's both uh, shields mm -hmm. the beneficiaries, and then the, you can do exactly what you explained. Yeah, convert within the entity from traditional to Roth to whatever degree you have to convert, and that whole process becomes a little bit easier. Follow the same documentation for your side from your side, but from our side, it's it's um, it's simpler and gives a little yeah. more flexibility. We certainly prefer when we get a, an LLC investment instead of traditional IRA, and then, well, sure. this year they only convert 20%. <laughs> and it becomes more aggravation than you. Yeah. And you have to manage another two sub-accounts. So. Well, the nice thing is we do that on a daily basis. So for us, it's it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, we want to make it easier for you as well. So like you mentioned, if the LLC doesn't have to change, it makes your life easier to do what, what you want to do. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah. how would folks get a hold of you if they wanted to learn a little more about uh, Midland Trust, Trust they yeah. want to. They wanted to potentially move some Wall Street money to alternatives. Yeah. Um, so I'm available in a lot of different ways. Um, I have my email address, um, direct phone number. I can give you my direct phone number. It's two three nine, three 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 four four six one. You can call me directly. Answer these questions. We can go into in depth a little bit more about your personal situation. Um, but feel free to email me. Go on our website. You can look at my calendar. Book a time. Um, a lot of different ways to get in touch with me. I, I love having these conversations every day. The website is midlandtrust.com. Midlandtrust.com. Appreciate that. And yeah. uh, thank you, Matt, for coming and sharing your wisdom. And uh, thank you for sharing your phone number. <laughs> Hopefully you'll get yeah. phone calls. <laughs> so folks uh, wanted to learn a little more about that.
yeah perfect thank you again have a wonderful day you too Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.